Charles Boisvert chained his red Vespa to a balcony's iron support and stepped out onto Rampart Street, the northern boundary of the French Quarter. The air was heavy with humidity. Wind shook the trees in Armstrong Park across the street. The lamps in the median were still not working after Hurricane Katrina, and the neighborhood lay in darkness. But lightning continued to flash on the shuttered shotgun houses and nineteenth-century buildings with their wrought iron balconies. An occasional illumined window and hanging fern announced that a few occupants had returned to their homes after the evacuation. Charles' big brown eyes gazed wistfully at the houses. Would New Orleans come back to life? That's what everyone asked. Would everyone return to the abandoned neighborhoods, find jobs again, rebuild their houses and their lives? Charles believed they would. Every day at Mass he prayed they would. New Orleans was his hometown, and he would never lose hope that it would rise from the dead like Christ. Charles wore a black clerical shirt with a Roman collar that hugged his thick neck. His ash-blonde hair curled up at the back of the collar and over his ears. He was in his mid-twenties, and his good looks reflected his good nature. He had the kind of face that makes a good-looking man approachable, open, accepting, unpretentious, and even-tempered. The face of a self-effacing athlete. His young body was athletic, too, his back and shoulders broad as a linebacker's, his furry forearms thick and strong, his hands big and square. Father Bosfer? That famous voice behind Charles took him by surprise. He'd heard no one approaching. He turned to find a tall, brown woman behind him. She was serene and graceful, draped in a printed orange tunic that fell to her ankles. Gold brocade adorned the tunic's scooped neckline, revealing her ample bosom. She wore her hair in dreadlocks, gathered at the nape of her neck into an abundant cataract that fell down her back. Yes, Charles nodded. Can I help you? I'm Dr. Beauchamp. Charles recognized the name. When the woman extended her hand, Charles took it. I was just taking a stroll before the rain started. A hint of a Caribbean accent was in her voice. I saw your Roman collar. I thought it must be you. Charles had noted the accent in his extended phone conversation with Dr. Beauchamp the week before, but he had not pictured such a beautiful woman, so magnificently Caribbean. Instead, her clinical observations on the phone and the formality of their discussion had summoned the image of a woman in a white lab coat, her hair cropped close, peering at him through horn-rimmed glasses. An advertisement in a conservative religious magazine had led him to Dr. Beauchamp. It invited Roman Catholics to enter treatment to prevent relapses into moral disorders decried by the Church. Science and faith can work together, the ad had announced. Discover your strength to be a faithful Catholic.
The ad had seemed to call him by name. Uncannily, it seemed intended for his unique situation. And when he had spoken to Dr. Beauchamp on the phone, she seemed to recognize perfectly his needs, though he provided few details. She told him to hold the information for his first session. She promised him that whatever the facts, she could help. And he did not doubt her. The connection between them had seemed profound, even mysterious. He felt that God had sent her to him. Charles and Dr. Beauchamp had walked less than a block when they arrived at her office, a renovated shotgun house with bright blue shutters. Beauchamp opened the door and led him into a dimly lit room with a high ceiling. On the wall above a computer station hung an African rendition of the Virgin Mary, that bore a remarkable resemblance to Dr. Beauchamp. She was wrapped in a bright orange printed garment, and she swaddled her shiny baby in a cloth of royal blue. Her broad nose was pierced by three rings. She stared serenely ahead, like a tribal queen.